Glitter. RPG a day. Take over. So, dramatic. People have definitely called me that. I do tend to get quite over the top, reactive, when things happen. I lost a pillowcase the other day in my room. Uh, and Joey can back me here because he was on the phone with me when it happened. My world ended. My day was ruined. And I was the worst person who had ever existed for somehow losing it while I was changing my sheets. Yeah, not exactly my proudest moment, um, especially when it turned out I just folded up the pillowcase inside one of the blankets that I then put back on the bed, and there it was. But that's me. I'm dramatic. Um, dramatic storytelling is something I have studied and tried to use when creating one-shot adventures for D&D and even sort of a campaign. Um, and a particularly good structure for um, framing things, um, and one that I use, is Freytag's Pyramid. Uh, I thought you might find it interesting or useful too if you don't already know about it. So I'll tell you about it while seeing how Kyra is doing on it, because I have not prepped anything beforehand with Kyra. So ugh, let's see how I'm going. Um, step one, exposition. Here we set up the background information of the plot, like introducing characters in the setting. So, well, you know Kyra and you know her Felwood Forest where most of the story has taken place so far. So I guess that's a tick. Step two, initial incident. Basically the first thing that happened that started everything. Well, that's Kyra's trip to Sunshard and finding that her friends thought she was evil and going to destroy everything. So I guess that's a tick. Uh, step three, rising action. Three major events that add suspense or tension to the plot, like complications or frustrations that'll lead to a climax. So how are we doing on that one? Well, I guess we've got one, the vision about her being a destroyer. Two, Banf Danfern, the uh, firebug druid with a bee in his bonnet about non-forest folk, like destroying the forests. Um, and three, her god charging her with a mission to stop him. So I think that's a tick. Um, step four, climax. The most suspenseful part of the story. The turning point for our character. So hmm, I think Kyra is about to get here. Um, I think the fact that she's turned up to see the king who may or may not help her with her goals and stuff, she's just starting to get frustrated about not being in control of her own actions. So I think we're building to the climax right now. Um, as she's trying to find out what she's going to do, that's kind of a good part of the turning point for the character. So step five, falling action. Three or less events that unravel the conflict and start leading to the resolution. I have literally no idea what this will be for Kyra yet. Um, and luckily, I've got about half a month to figure this out because, yeah, no idea. Uh, step six, resolution. The conflict is resolved and we find out if the character met their goals or not. Um, I hope so. Because I guess if she doesn't stop him, then that might mean that she's dead so i hope so uh step seven and i never know how to say this but it's like denouement or denouement or it's french i have no idea um but basically it means tying up any of the loose ends of the story 
And there's bound to be plenty because I haven't been really plotting anything out. I haven't planned anything. I don't know what's going to happen. So I guess there's going to be lots of things that wherever I end up at the end of it, I'm going to have to wrap up. So, yeah. So, well, now that we know how a dramatic story is supposed to be told, I guess we should check in with Kyra to see what drama descends. The castle was loud, both in the way that it had colourful tapestries hanging on every wall capturing moments of great triumphs for the realm, but it was also physically full of people bustling everywhere, chatting boisterously. You would never know that there was a great danger in the forest nearby. These people seemed happy and sure of their place in the world and it made Kyra feel very lost. She followed the guard closely as he led the way, winding down endless corridors and countless courtiers. Everyone was so elegantly dressed. She clutched at her leathers, wishing she had time to dress in her finer garments. She didn't think the guard would have stopped if she'd asked anyway, and the thought of being lost inside these stone walls brought with it a strange sense of fear of being trapped that she'd never felt before. So she kept a pace behind him and let no more space between, concentrating on his back intently, lest it disappear. The noise got louder suddenly as the roof and walls fell away as they walked through a gilded doorway, and she nearly ran into the back of the guard as he came to a hard stop. She heard him say to a nearby man in velvet red and black dress, Prisoner for the king, and this man nodded and hustled off. They stood there in silence as the roar of voices swallowed them whole. She looked about and saw the huge room was full of people, but they mostly strolled the edges. The middle was emptier, people only crossing it occasionally. Where they stood, bodies pressed against her, and she was sure she would be suffocated by their waving arms and speech so fast it seemed like they never took breath. Before she even knew what she was doing, she had moved forward brushing people to the side as she fought her way to that space, to the air which would surely not be coated in the many perfumes that threatened to choke her. How could people compare themselves to blossoms when they smelled more like warnings of poisonous creatures? She came to a stop in the middle of the room, and grasping with her hands on her knees, finally drawing breath, she realised the room had gone quiet. She looked up, and her eyes followed the red strip of carpet tinged with gold edges that she stood on, all the way to the raised dais at the end of the room, and they landed on a man sitting in a giant golden throne in the centre. He was frowning at her, and the man she had seen before whispered something quickly in his ear and then disappeared. Well, King Tenkwa boomed out across the room, I see you know how to make an entrance. The room tittered around her. <laughs> the mean little laughs of a crowd enjoying the joke being at someone else's expense. I'm I'm sorry, Tinkwa. I couldn't breathe. His face grew hard for a moment. Maybe that was because she forgot to use King. And he replied with Perhaps that would have been best for the green stranger, for we may all be lost of breath if you are allowed to survive. Kyra stood shocked as this casual statement of her death being preferred rang out in front of everyone. 
she drew her shoulders back and let her voice ring out strong. We may indeed be lost if you will not help me, for I may be star-marked, but I am no destroyer. My God has given me a quest to prevent the madness of the Midnight Wolf, and not even you, King Tenkwa, will stop me. Thanks for joining me in this Jewels from NZ RPG A Day Takeover Special. I hope you're enjoying our improvised D&D 5e story. Tune in tomorrow for our next prompt. Thanks to my gems, KP, Bobby, Shell, Scott, Glenn, James, and Jason. And a big thanks to everyone listening. I don't know if it was Aotearoa New Zealand or Roleplay Games that brought you here, but I'm super glad that you've stopped by. We'll be back to New Zealand episodes in September because August is for RPG. Enohora. Kakite ano. Goodbye, and see you again soon. Mwah!